0: Good to see you today. Good to see you. So, so just to fill you in on everything that's happened. So we have a small crowd. We had one week where there's a bit of this snafu and I'll have to attract back the audience. Essentially went on this wild and crazy trip. So I had like plans to sort of do this and I decided to go ahead and see the plans through. So basically the plan was that this summer that Canalytics was going to, you know, attend the cannabis, con, uh, you know, the CannaCon conferences, and then ended out with mm-hmm. this grand finale in Las Vegas for this cannabis conference where there's a lot of big companies attending. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided I was leaning towards not, but then I was like, yeah, you know, let's just see this through. So, decided to go ahead and attend. So, attended just to, you know, keep spreading the Canalytics word, keep, you know, trying to meet people. So, mm-hmm. better to be out there than not. So, took a trip, went to the cannabis conference in Las Vegas. And then there was a little snafu with, actually hosting that week so we had to postpone it till thursday but still crunch some numbers nonetheless
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and so then my plan was to you know go back up you know back up to to washington and because there's some action going on there so they're migrating from their traceability system leaf data systems Mm -hmm. to apparently an in-house traceability system.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So it's, it's making news because, you know, Oh, this is the first, you know, state developed and operated traceability system. And so.
1: Wow. I I wonder what
0: the motivation was behind that. I think they just want data, I think the driving the motivi- driving factors they just want the data they want it per- because some of these states like Oregon they have almost real time data you know they publish almost yesterday's data publicly so that means hmm. they probably have a real good a real good measure there and so maybe Washington's thinking like oh this is not acceptable just getting intermittent, here's Heather, reports. So I think they just want a good measure of the data. Heather, just explaining what's going on in Washington. So, you you know, I think Leap data systems, you know, could prepare their reports, but maybe, maybe it doesn't have real time data. So now the whole system is basically from what i've briefly heard there's actually a meeting i think today's the eighth so there may even be a meeting today that i'll listen into for more details but it's interesting sounds, it sounds like you can at least uh, like so if you're you don't have a sophisticated software system you can at least just upload a csv it sounds like to their system so it sounds like it's just a more direct way to upload data straight to, you know, a Washington State database, and they've, you know, apparently maybe have some developers in house, probably they've built some internal dashboards or whatnot. So right, right,
1: just gives them more flexibility. It sounds like, but it, it probably um, quite a bit of, well, maybe not a lot of overhead, but I mean that's a pretty large endeavor, right? I'm, I wonder if they're leveraging like a cloud environment. Um, what their architecture is
0: well this is going to be the great the great question right because it's like the grass is always greener on the other side right and so i thought leaf data systems was okay Um, so i didn't have experience with biotrack but basically they migrated from biotrack to leaf data systems and there was a bunch of hubbub in the industry and you know people were quite grumpy and you know, all the way to the present, you know, people just, you know, there's a, a you know, been people quite vocal about uh, their unhappy or the dissatisfaction with the system, mm-hmm. um, and so that may be warranted, um, and so who who knows? Uh, that's not for me to decide. Uh, like I said, I, I'm the type of person where I, I make it suffice. So they have an API. I can make that suffice, um, but yeah, yeah uh, maybe there's room for improvement. So they're going to try something new, and like you said, it, it's basically like, okay, I could see, you know, they could get it developed for maybe not that that expensive, that much, and then maybe they have a small team to see that it runs, but yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, like you said, what did they take on as far as like data warehousing goes? So it'll be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, when I first looked at that data, starting started from zero and knowing nothing, right. Um, it's not actually that sophisticated as far as the, the data structure underneath it, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, so if they're going to collect it in the same kind of way or store it in the same kind of way, it's not that big of a challenge, I wouldn't think. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hats off to them hopefully they'll get some good benefits out of this.
0: It's an interesting step forward. And so they're calling it the cannabis 2.0 movement. And I've got a friend up there, David Busby at open THC and Mm -hmm. he's spearheading his movement for, you know, these open, you know, more open source systems. So we'll see how this one pans out. Um, I know he's been quite vocal in this process. I think people will still use software integrators. I don't think you have to. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll fill you in next week with more details. So I'm curious um, about that, how everything unfolds as well. Yeah, it sounds
1: like... Um, if there's more of this movement to kind of like this cannabis 2.0 and states having their own systems in place um, and giving them more flexibility and freedom. And hopefully that means sharing more data with the public, which is good for us. So,
0: Exactly. And, you know, Washington wants to provide that data. So really until the adoption of Leak data systems, they were had a nice public dashboard and they were – trying to provide data available through an API so I think they want to get back to that so mm. it, it will be exciting to see and so we'll yeah cool. we'll tap in right away <laughs> so
1: yeah awesome well thanks for the update on that
0: definitely and so so that's pending and so so out of some some wild ventures so Return to Oklahoma real quick just to put out a few fires, um, and then, as I said, to um, so basically the plan is now to to head to the the cannabis science conference in Baltimore, um, mm. and that's on the fourteenth and fifteenth. So you know, shout out to the cannabis science conference. So I've been to the one on the East Coast before. And I think it's a, an awesome place to, to learn. It's an awesome place to be. So, this is a good place for people in the testing space to go. So, you know, lots of experts there. You got to, you know, hear about the, you know, the latest science that's been being done, the people using the latest and greatest testing techniques.
1: Hmm. Isn't that where Heather
0: is based? And, yeah, I was going to say, well, I think we may have to say, hey, because, you know, I somehow wound up in Paul's neck of the woods and somehow I'll end up in your neck of the woods. So maybe you could grab, well, maybe you could join me for the meetup next week because it will be about that same time in person.
2: Is it too late to, like, can you not join virtually? So uh, no. I'm an hour and a half from Baltimore.
0: Oh, we definitely will, have there. I'm just saying, I'll be in your neck of the woods.
2: Oh, okay, great, yeah, um, no, that's nice, um, yeah, have fun, it's, uh, I, I would like to get to Baltimore, uh, soon, they have, um, the aquarium, I think, is, uh, free, uh, at some points during the week, so, um, you know, if you have time to, for leisure activities, I would, uh, recommend that.
0: Well, Trying to stay focused on work, uh, this is, <laughs> as it may be, still trying to keep my nose to the grindstone, uh, uh, so focusing. But, but long story short, just sort of, I thought it would be curious to visit a few handful of laboratories along the way. So, I haven't had the best luck yet here. And so, basically, going through Missouri, so there are technically medical cannabis dispensaries here and medical testing laboratories here i have not. I um one was uh, closed when i got there yesterday but um like i said a few have been shut down um so maybe they they had ambitions for for opening and running but just never got things set up and so you know that's why you know analytics is really here because you know, it's like a shame, right? Because uh, you know, someone's got these ambitions to set up a lab, but then it just you know falls through because they don't have all the know-how. Right. You know, it's a real shame. So, you know, so we're you know we're just trying to you know help where we can. So we're you know seeing you know okay, well, what are laboratories like? You know, here in Missouri that are predominantly testing for CBD and medical. Um, so I'll visit a few more laboratories today and f- fill you back in. And then I'll be curious to stop at the ones, I think, on the way it may as well just, it, essentially And that's the data that I was planning to to perhaps look at today with you. So it's essentially Illinois, which we've talked about is you know quite regulated Only a handful of cultivators. Honestly, it's actually kind of funny. Now that I think about it, I think there's maybe 21 or so provincial licenses, but there may be almost 11 or so laboratories. So there's almost, uh, you know, so there's one laboratory for every two cultivators. So that's... That's a really interesting dynamic, so mm. do you, do you any,
1: have any any theories behind i can't say echo here sorry any theory behind why that the ratio is like that
0: so so it's an x some x and so some prior some prior beliefs um so uh, perhaps. My, my guess is they still need to produce the you know the you know the quantity that's demanded so these you know 21 cultivators are probably producing a staggering amount so mm-hmm. that that would basically be maybe they're not all giant but I imagine it's almost like you just took you know the the top producers in say, Washington or Oregon, what have you. You just took all the top producers and you just had say 20 of them in one state. Um, I know they're just issuing some craft growing licenses. So you should see some craft growers coming online. So, So back to the testing. So they're probably still producing a large scale of cannabis and so depending i need to dig deep into the illinois testing requirements but if they're still having to test every say five pounds like they do in washington or what have you that's still a lot of testing to be done um so there could still be a lot of testing by the laboratories but Actually, just to to be frank, at the Canicon in uh, Chicago, it sounded like one of the speakers. He he was he was a little vague about it, so it wasn't certain like oh which state this is in. Mm. But it sounds like perhaps, and I don't want to make any assertions or anything. So, but it sounds like maybe that sometimes some cultivations, maybe like like. You know, one step away, somebody owns a licensee. So, like, somebody, mm-hmm. like somebody's, you know, uncle's brother owns a license. Yeah. And owns a testing license.
1: Yeah, when you see, I mean, any kind of system where you see kind of like these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> a situation where you don't have a long tail, right? And it seems like there's not much of a long tail um, in Illinois. From high- Describing it, it sounds like there's other other things at play in in what is supposed to be a natural system, right? There's <laughs> there's influences being probably exerted in some way or another.
0: It's just a small number of players. Like when you look at so, if you study like industrial organization, which is sort of when economics sort of takes a look at you know market competitiveness and okay, mm-hmm. like what's the, how do things shake out in a market? So how many firms are there? Um, Mm -hmm. How do the, does the government regulate those firms? This and that. One of the main factors you just look at is, okay, how how many firms are there? You know, how many producers are there? And so that's essentially my measure is, okay, Mm. there's how many licensees are there? And then you can kind of try to, um, control for the population, so say, oh, how many licensees per capita. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know that, and I think that's almost kind of what we're here to do with the the group is try to sort of measure. Okay, what are some of the effects of this? So, okay, you know, just anecdotally prices seem higher in Illinois but can we you know measure that Um, or does it you know does it have an effect on sales Um, so I'm not really sure what the what the effects are it's just just really at the stage of just sort of making observations because yeah that's exactly what this
1: is right an observation it's just you know depending on what what angle you're coming from though I, for me i like to see uh healthy competition especially in like a new industry like this right because it that that churn and and competition ends up serving the, the community better i think over the long term so you know it's just uh, just something to think about it's interesting that you brought that up and i'll probably sit in the back of my mind now <clears throat> why you know illinois seems to have this kind of i don't know again, it's just an observation, but just sort of this uh, low number and high ratio of, of, you know, labs to to, uh, producers.
0: Well, a couple factors. I think one, you know, it's sometimes like in economics, like uh, the unintended consequences. So, so it's like, okay, maybe they intended, okay, we're going to, really write some real fine-grained you know rules um, so to you know really keep people safe mm. um, but maybe maybe the rules are too so stringent that only like they say oh we need to make sure that the, the, they can pay if something goes wrong so let's make sure they have um, like like five million dollars in funding. or something like that and so it's like oh you know maybe there's a good intention behind that but then that cuts off a bunch of people um and so you know the unintended consequence may be oh you ended up with a really concentrated market and you know when things are you know concentrated they may not necessarily end up best for the consumer um well, this is fairly, but, mm-hmm. No, it's um, just
1: interesting to think about. I'm glad you brought that up. It's just uh, one of those things to just to sort of kind of keep in mind, you know, which states tend to be more competitive or have a more vibrant market, right? With, you know, thinking with the consumer in mind, maybe there's opportunities there to look at states and have some sort of um, normalized baseline on competitiveness whatever that metric could be right um which states seem to be more competitive than others
0: it's funny you bring that up so that's essentially my proposed measure and like i said it was basically okay licensees per capita i think Mm i think we can do better um Mm -hmm. but but that you know that's a start so right
2: I, mean, and I, I apologize for that
1: being. Oh, go ahead, Heather.
2: Oh, about competition. Um, so I think that with places like Maryland, the competition is not going to be very high just because we have medical. So, like, if you end up going to Baltimore to visit, you'll find that eighths are, they could be $65, $60. Um, so we have some large, really large companies here that are able to thrive um, in a very uh, non-competitive environment. That's my only input for Maryland, and I know it's maybe very dour, but I'm being very realistic. Thank you. Ooh,
0: and that sort of that raises a point. Um, so it's you know, so say we were just looking at prices, you know. And that's tricky as well because, you know, there's different effects that affect prices. So like, you know, it's just in Las Vegas and like, you know, the prices were high, but that's because, you know, demand is really high. So as soon as you like, you know, you leave the city, you know, the, the prices uh, kind of start to fall because, you know, just looking kind of at reviews online and they've said, oh yeah, as soon as you get outside of the you know, the Las Vegas Strip, you know, if all of a sudden the prices plummet because, you know, demand plummets, you know, everybody's right there just walking around. So, so yeah, it's going to be tricky to part. just real tricky to parse out um, because maybe demand is just extra, and it actually probably is really high in Illinois because you have a lot of out of, you know, you um, you, you know, they, they. I think they admittedly say, you know, they've got a lot of out-of-state traffic, right? Because I think they maybe t- tax residents differently, so that pushes prices up because you just have all this demand, and then um, you know, they, the, you know, the if they restrict supply, that will also raise prices as well. But prices are, you know, that's that's just arguing over surplus. My main thing is how does that affect testing? You know, do you want like so for example, like California's got pretty strict limits, and so it's like that's really pushed down, that's made products clean. So a couple weeks ago we were looking at like residual solvents in concentrates in Washington. And they wouldn't have sold, they wouldn't, they they would have failed um, quality assurance or quality control testing in California. And so, so that's, that's my wonder is, okay, like how does maybe a state like Illinois compare to Oklahoma as far as like, you know, testing and contamination of the products and whatnot, because, so for example, you know, just to rag on Oklahoma a bit, I know I've been real pro-Oklahoma, there's been an article out recently saying, okay, you know, a lot of this flower is actually quite high in heavy metals and, and processors, because, right, the cultivators go through and, you know, now you've got the processors, and what happens is things like heavy metals, microbes, believe it or not, and yeah, so yeah, and pesticides, all, all of those get concentrated down as well. So when you're concentrating, the you know you're extracting all the THC, you're extracting all the pesticides and potentially heavy metals as well. So. If you take borderline passing flour, a lot of it, and then you concentrate it down, your your concentrated product may fail, pesticides or heavy metal testing, even though the flour didn't. And so what processors in Oklahoma are finding is, okay, well, this is a big problem, because now we're having trouble sourcing flower for our production process because not not only do we now need to make sure that people have passed their quality control tests but also that they've passed them you know with enough with with limits low and en- or i mean with even if say they had just something detected that it was detected low enough that if it's concentrated it's not going to be, you know, at an an unacceptably high limit. Yeah, it's like they're looking for a buffer, right? Exactly, and so, I, I guess there's not really that much to do except just to just spread knowledge, just say, okay, in that, and that, you know, that's where Caneletics is trying to help. So something we'll, we're going to try to do, we would love to do is essentially, tr- you know, try to start measuring some of, you know, if we can partner with labs that provide anonymous data to essentially try to say, you know, try to provide some, you know, distributions of some of these compounds. So that way you kind of can know what to expect. So that way, if, you know, say you did get a, a hit, or just a, you know, a, 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 say, say you know, what are some of these pesticides? Um, I don't know. Um, or are like cadmium. You know, so say you, you get some hit for some, you know, relatively, you know, obscure, you know, heavy metal or pesticide at, at a small at what you think is a small concentration you know it would be helpful to know what exactly is a small concentration so just to kind of look at you know the distribution out there so.
1: yeah yeah it's interesting because uh, quality is going to be a competitive differentiator right It seems like if, especially if these these processors are just consolidating get larger and larger um, and they're more under the, the microscope. Um, they're going to be pushing on their producers, right, to, to give me something that's high quality or they'll just not survive in the market.
0: You would think or go so. black market. So, when I talk to the dispensary owners, I, I ask them, like, okay, you know, it, do you care about, you know, pesticide testing or this or that? And oftentimes they're just you know looking to make sure that things you know got the state mandated testing and just to you know make sure that they're uh, you know um you know following the traceability system and in, and in, in with the regulations but i don't think they they really promote it and i don't actually have evidence to back this up but Anecdotally, I've heard that, okay, you know, once consumers know about pesticide testing, then they, you know, care about it at that point. So I guess that predominantly matters in, like, say, Washington State, where it's not mandated yet. So so some people try to advertise, like, oh, you know, we're Mm pesticide-free, but I don't I think that's under advertised. So but, maybe, but 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 just a hunch that you know, and it could be one of those things where maybe maybe the companies have done the market research and they've said, okay, you know, the, the segment that actually cares about their products being clean may actually be a small segment of the market and so maybe they maybe they've already done their homework. And, yeah. What
1: what do you think the, probab- the probability is that they've actually done their homework?
0: Um, that's a really good question. So I bet you some people have, have tried to answer that question so maybe there've been some surveys done. But I don't know because I really feel like they're you know, people doing market research are just so focused on other questions that stuff like, oh, do you care about pesticide testing? Like, I just don't think that, Yeah. like say they have 10 10 survey questions. Like, I just can't see them. Right, they're trying to sling
1: products, right? They're trying to, you know, increase their margins and they have their financial drivers until it becomes a thing, uh, an awareness thing, then it's probably, you're right, it's probably not going to be uh, at forefront, top of mind uh, for some of these companies.
0: I think they're. I think people who are, who are doing it, who are doing it right and doing it at scale or taking it into consideration, whether they kind of realize it or not. Um, so like, so that was one thing I saw at like, you know, the Las Vegas conference. So like people in like California, they, they were running these, you know, really immaculate facilities. And I talked talk to a lab, that worked, there's some people that work at a lab in California, and they say, yes, it's, it's really hard for cultivators to pass the testing. And so that's actually one of the reasons why it's hard for people to come into California. So mm-hmm. they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, so you think you're good in your state, um, you know, and so a lot of cultivators, so say you may get big in Michigan. And you think, oh, I'll just go set up a, you know, a grow in in California somewhere and try to enter that market. And apparently it's just ridiculously hard to pass their quality control testing um, because probably, you know, it's California, maybe there's, you know, pesticide drift from here or there. And so, you know, you really have to have these, you know, you know, like like clean rooms you know like these real real clean facilities to you know to, you know to make sure you're passing quality control
1: yeah such a such a interesting balance that has to take place because if you have a a california that's really strict and they're trying to do the right thing but then how much are they driving the market into the black market um You know, and then I don't know.
0: It, and that's what you always have to sort of wonder is whenever, you know, whenever there's hot, there's high finance fi- finances at stake, right? Like there's a lot of mm-hmm. money at stake, like especially in the California market. And then you know you see things kind of getting restricted. You know, it's just just it just never seems to end well. So um, yeah. Um, but you know it's that's just sort of the way it is it's just a a lot of like competing interests right because Mm -hmm. you know the the existing producers maybe they spend all their money and they've got a nice clean room like they don't want to see you know a lot of entrants come in so you know they have their incentives and um, you know I'm sure people from out of state are trying to to loosen up the regulations so that they can come in. Yeah. um, It's just just kind of battering back and forth. uh, As an economist, I'd like to just try to say, okay, I'm just sort of an outside observer and I'll just sort (laughs) of make observations as these parties uh, essentially battle it out for, you know, it, and, and just kind of how things shake out, and, you know, the public's part of it. And so, um, like, so, for example, in, in Michigan, right, the public has been pretty sh- strong, right, because they've kind of held up, right, uh, like, homegrown and whatnot for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, it sounds like, kind of fought off some of the bigger interests for, for a while. um.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of it's there's a lot of local municipalities that have they're that calling the shots for for the producers. Um, Yet some towns that want nothing to do with it, and you have other towns that are totally great with it. You know, it's just there's an interesting mix um, in Michigan in that respect. As far as like big players, I don't really know too much about that. Have you have you heard of any big companies trying to I know that there's several large grow facilities that are well-financed, but I I haven't heard of any, like, big-name corporate players.
0: So what I think is interesting about the Midwest is that's where people are really starting to, like, really dabble and experiment with what's called, you know, multi-state. They call them multi-state operators in the industry, MSOs. Mm. And so the Midwest sort of opens itself up naturally to that. So it's like, okay... Say, say you're one of the people that are lucky enough to operate in Illinois. Well, then you can probably also operate in. It sounds like Michigan. It sounds like you could potentially operate in Ohio. And maybe I'm miss. Maybe I'm leaving one out, but I think those are the ones they start in, and then they maybe you then expand to maybe Colorado.
1: Well, what what, what uh, do you have any idea what drives that be uh, the propensity for M- MS
0: what, those in the Midwest to, to expand into different states?
1: Yeah. So, what is it about the economics in the Midwest that makes it
0: more? I think they're just uh, looking for for new markets. So. Um in just the like the to the geographic closeness right so if you're selling in like chicago it you know it's not like that far to into michigan and detroit so mm-hmm. you know you could have your you could have your cultivator like your head cultivator could almost go back and forth mm-hmm. okay, so that's what that's what a lot of places do so say you you have multiple cultivation sites Well, you're going to have, you know, your local employees at each one. However, like the the head grower and the people who install things, they're sort of going to go from cultivation to cultivation. So like your head grower will come in and set, you know, set up shop and say, okay, this is how we're going to do things. Here are standard operating procedures. You know, and they see to it that everything gets installed correctly. And then they probably hire, you know, a local manager, so to speak, uh, to oversee things. Um, but then they'll they'll probably definitely come in if it's like oh, like there's mold or oh, we've got some pest. You know, they'll probably oh, they'll zip. You know, they'll just zip there right away. You know, probably identify what's going on and try to fix it. You know, just kind of putting out fires. Right. And, um, so it would make, so that's, that's my hypothesis, or and I, maybe it's similar at dispensaries too, like, you know, maybe a cash register, I, I'm not as experienced in the dispensary world, but, but essentially you have your, you know, your executives just sort of putting out fires here and there, and then you've got, you know, your, lo- your, your local talent, you know, running yeah. the operations. Yeah. So that's and, interesting. And it's also a big thing that, okay, well, with each state you operate in, you have to jump through all the, the rules and you have to operate under all of those rules in that state. And so that's a big cost. And so you have to sort of strategically enter markets. And so if you're in California, you can expand a lot in in California, so it's like okay, do do I do I even really want to go try to set up shop in Colorado and worry about all Colorado's rules? So a lot a lot do, um, but some say, oh well, maybe I'll just go set up shop in Northern California or something like that. Um,
2: So interesting. Oh, I don't know if if this is common sense. uh, Please pardon me, but um, Steep Hill Analytics is a multi state cannabis testing lab. So, when you're asking about state, multi state um, businesses, um, that would be one of them that covers Maryland, uh, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts, and now to a small degree, New Jersey. Thank you
0: exactly in fact almost every state i look at there's steep hill and so they're they're awesome they well they were one they were probably the first cannabis testing lab that i heard about um you know probably saw some documentary or something some show that mentioned steep hill and it was so that was my first exposure to cannabis testing was just hearing about them. And the, it's so they're sort of a, a great story, right? Because they've shown that, okay, you know, I'm not certain they may franchise in some of the states, but they've shown that, okay, it's possible to do laboratory testing multi-state. And there's been a couple others that have cropped up, but I, they, they don't have quite quite the widespread, you know, they're not quite all over. Um, And like I said, I'm fairly certain Steep Hill is just sort of franchising. So maybe there there may just be a lab that wants to open and they maybe work out some deal there. So so I think these are interesting to to look at because this this is something that I'm trying to figure out too is, okay, how can laboratories operate in multiple states? What does it take? How can they pull it off successfully? Because you know, I've talked with a lot of laboratories, and a lot have you know ambitions to do it. It just the uh, it's uh, it's a tricky feat because, believe it or not, you know, you know laboratories don't really sc- oh here's somebody who, they don't really scale. Like geographically that well, because you have such high capital costs, and so. I hope. Hello, DeBelle, D- We're t- we're talking about how laboratories can scale at the moment. So, welcome to the conversation.
3: Hi, I'm. I'm just going to sit back and observe for now, just to see what's all about. But hi, everyone
0: i going to go ahead and myself. <laughs> By all means. So essentially, we're talking about, okay, how can, can cannabis licensees expand to multiple states? And then we started talking about, okay, well, how can laboratories expand to multiple states? And in fact, how, you know, how could they even with, expand within their states? They set up a, say, what's called like a satellite lab. And so basically, this is the problem, right? At a given laboratory you may have about a million dollars plus worth of scientific equipment you know so that's just capital that has to be at that physical location Uh, and so this is your pesticide um, testing instrument your lcmsms you need to test for heavy metals perhaps an icpms cannabinoids hplc if you're testing micro you're going to have to have this whole micro station which is you know you want this nice clean room and all you know they need all their lab supplies so if you're going to set up like a whole other lab then you're going to need to get all these other instruments And so that's going to be a whole other capital expense. And in fact, that's like the the primary hurdle of opening a laboratory is, okay, you know, I need one to $2 million. And you don't actually need this, by the way. Uh, But a lot of people think, oh, you know, I need one to $2 million worth of, of funding to open a lab. And the reason I say you don't necessarily need this is I've heard people in the lab space speak and they say, hey, if, you know, if you're looking to enter, just you know, do what you can do. You know, I, I don't actually know how this would work out as a business model, but this is what some people argue is just, you know, just start out with a micro lab. So that may cost, you know, ten to $15,000. I personally, coming from an economics point of view, I'm not certain, that would work out economically um, to, to provide just micro-testing.
1: Yeah, because if I want to get my tests, I don't want to have to shop around and get different parts of the tests accomplished in different places, right? That's a real sap in my productivity and getting things out the door.
0: Exactly. And so maybe you could work up some odd contracts or perhaps you may even have to start not in the cannabis space. So, say, oh, I'm just going to do micro testing and try to find like some food company or some, um, you know, just sort of do some odd micro tasks. So, that's yeah. that's a route, like I said, I'm, I'm not the, the biggest proponent of that route. The most successful way that I saw it was done, and like I said, you have to be early in the game. So there's uh, Jeff Dowdy at Capital Labs. And I probably told this story, but I'll tell it again real quick. But there's Jeff Dowdy at Capital Analysis in Olympia, Washington. And early on, he was, on, I think he was a cultivator perhaps, and he just bought an HPLC to you know, test the cannabinoids of his own products. And then, you know, and then, you know, he started talking and, you know, other cultivators wanted him to test their products. And so, you know, he essentially turned into a laboratory just starting with an HPLC testing cannabinoids. And then, send you, so this is, if you were starting in a brand new state, this may be doable. So this would be like the, the rags to riches stories. You get the HPLC, you scrounge up enough to get an HPLC, which is not cheap, like that's the price of, a, a nice car, so that's going to be thirty-five, forty, forty thousand dollars for an old, old HPLC that you know comes from some, you know, it's a hand-me-down from from some school, and it's probably got a bunch of creaks and cracks, and it's like not going to be operating. Uh, I, it's going to be wonky for sure um well well, not for sure but i'm sure you can get it dialed in but you know there's going to be like there'll probably be little pieces that may break or you may have to do some repairs here and there so but that's the laboratory space and so then you he worked on you know got like a gc so you can start testing residual solvents and terpenes and then, you know, then you set up your microstation. And then you in Washington State, you can almost do everything at that point. And then you can save up enough money to get the LCMSMS, which is like 300 plus thousand and all the other fancy equipment for doing heavy metals. You can't really do that in like California or probably not in... A lot of these states you probably could can't really do it in washington state anymore just because testing you know fairly competitive there these days you know i don't know about colorado but i mean like i said you could almost do it in oklahoma um they do require the pesticide and heavy metal testing but i bet there's a bunch of people there that just need cannabinoid tests just uh, you know, just to measure their products and do terpene testing. So you could probably do that story in Oklahoma. A little difficult because they do have mandated pesticide and heavy metal testing.
1: You're saying that the um, lab, the, the lab environment, doesn't scale very well. Oh yes. So when you look across the industry from seed to sale, would you say that the lab is probably the, um, I don't know what the right term to use is. It's not a choke point, but it seems like it might be um, the most restrictive part of the entire value chain.
0: Well, going back to, you know, industrial organization, where we're just looking at the number of firms, like that's the first thing I look at. So if you just look at the number of firms, okay, the most is typically cultivation, maybe dispensary, but typically cultivation. Then you have, actually, we were just looking at this in Oklahoma. um, It was about like 60, 70% were cultivation. And then there's about an equal number, about 15% or so are dispensary, about 15% are processing and then in oklahoma i think it was less than one percent for everyone else so you have you know and it's typically smaller than that so yeah so really small number of labs and so Mm -hmm. industrial organization tries to explain that why is that well there's a couple factors going on one there's regulations so, like in Missouri, they said, "Okay, we're only going to give out ten cannabis lic- cannabis testing licenses." So that's just a, a you know, a regulation limit. Thing. So maybe there maybe there was going to be a thousand, but you know, there's only a limit. Of 10. But there there probably wasn't going to be a limit of it. there were. There's probably not going to be a thousand, because the other thing that's going on is you have high barriers to entry which are high capital costs but i just don't want to say okay and i think there's other things going on because i can't i want to say the capital costs are lower than a well there's a couple things going on i guess with cultivations is you have a, a lot of small producers that are maybe entering with smaller amounts of funds but i think like the large producers i mean even the medium like like i was just at the conference and they were saying oh yeah if you want to open a dispensary you know you need like two to five million and i'm thinking like that's more than you really need to start a, a laboratory and cultivation they're also spending you know Several million, like I said, you yeah. can start for cheaper, but there are people doing that. So, I want to say it's it may not even be the high capital costs. It could be these other things. So, and I'm kind of just about. Curious. Sorry, to interrupt your train of thought,
1: but you just made me think of something. I mean, uh, human capital, right? I mean, the specialized technical expertise that you have to have to run a lab is different than a. You know, the cultivators obviously have to know what they're doing, but there's a different, I think, depth of knowledge that probably has to be there for the lab.
0: And I think I'm going to have to hit the industrial org book after this, because I think you're right, because essentially that's what it comes down to. And that's what I was saying, like, okay, so say you did set up a satellite lab. Well, it will say you set up a lab in a way across the country. Well, now you're going to have to get the local, ta- you know, the local talent, which in this case is a handful of chemists and a handful of microbiologists and a quality assurance manager and a scientific <laughs> director, and those are all like really from really from the entry level all the way up are fairly skilled positions. I mean comparing like an analyst, you know, not to be mean to anyone, uh, but, you know, comparing an analyst to like um, just someone doing, you know, like say trimming at a cultivation or someone just doing sales at a dispensary. You you don't necessarily need like a, like a scientific degree to do, you know, sales or just, just do like, you know, maintenance at a cultivation. But you, it's really preferable to have somebody like I said, like they're in short demand, but it's really preferable to have somebody with you know a degree in you know say biology or chemistry or something similar working at your laboratory. Yeah, because it's when you when you have your analysts there, you you want to you know get them trained up and doing cool things, so that that's kind of what's going on at the laboratory so yes you know your analysts are you know doing routine sample extractions but you kind of want them trained so that they could ideally you know do troubleshooting they could it would be in an awesome world they could you know do minor maintenance on your instruments like minor routine uh, maintenance Mm -hmm. things like that yeah Hmm,
1: it's interesting I keep saying that word interesting and all of it's interesting, but when you're looking at it systemically, right across, I keep saying the value chain, but, um, across the industry, it's, it's kind of cool to point out where some of these like high value parts of the value chain are. And it's in our conversations, it seems like, I know the lab is, is your thing, but it just seems like, um, and, and you talk to a lot of people across the country and in all different parts of the industry, but it just seems like lab is um, that place that um, without it, the whole thing kind of falls apart, depending on what the state mandates for their t- testing, of course, and some states are more lax than others, but um, you've got to have that piece in play or, or the rest of the, the system doesn't work, at least for the, you know, the, the legitimate economy the 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 black market is a whole different thing but you know for the the legit economy it's it's got to be in place it's got to be working it's got to be functional
0: well exactly because it's you know it's just a just another measure right you got to be measuring the the cannabinoids and like what's actually in the products just like the labels and then you know the quality control is an important aspect right we're trying to we're trying to have a like a, a well-functioning industry here you know we're trying to show you like yeah like the, the cannabis industry like you know we're doing it we're doing it right here um so, yeah. so you're right it's a big it's a big part and people are a big part so it just it comes down to people and just yeah, you know, kind of bringing the community together, right? So as, you know, the cannabis industry comes more into the mainstream, right? There's going to be more scientists and more chemists and more microbiologists who are willing to say, yeah, I'll be part of the industry. Yeah, I'll do that type of testing. So I, I could see there being a lot more talent available in the future. And I think it's just sort of, yeah, just sort of bringing people into the space you know showing them what it's about you know it's it's just it's just testing like any other product and, in, and it provides a lot of value especially to do it right you know to, to do testing right provides a lot of value so you know we, we need everyone we can get so come, come on scientific community like let's join together on this one and and do a great job yeah so that's my spiel, but that's what analytics is about. <laughs> so good, good yeah. conversation. So we did quite break out the data today, but that's okay because the data can, can wait till next week. And it's always awesome to have good conversations. That's what that's what we're here for. So so anyways, I think maybe go ahead and Concluded a, a couple minutes early today. Unless anyone's got m- more thoughts on the table for today, or
1: no, just thanks for the good conversation and the education as always.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely Paul. Thank, thanks for coming and and DeBell. We'll have to to hear from you and, and your interests, your background, and how. Have... Well, actually, DeBell, yeah. if you, uh, not to put you on the spot, but. You wouldn't mind sharing real quick just like like what your background maybe like so just like what angle are you coming at the group from
3: um at this point okay just a bit about myself i am a data scientist now and um i pretty much i mean i'm in, i'm intrigued about cannabis and i never thought of like combining the two of them so i was looking up tech groups on meetups and i said and i'm like oh my goodness that's interesting so at this point i'm coming from an educational part of like point of view i do not know a lot about analytics and so it's just a very interesting topic for me so i'm just like pretty much let us see what's about and like see how I like yeah i can't necessarily have an opinion i'm just like Learning at this moment, <laughs> so that's why I was very quiet during the conversation because I was like, "Oh, yeah, what's going on?" <laughs> you're in,
0: you're in the right place. So that's where we're all here. I'm learning just like everyone else, just just here observing like everyone else. And so, yeah, you're in the right place. And kind the like, harks on what we were just talking about. So we're just trying to, yeah, bring more people into the space. Yeah, just show you know show them what it's about show them some of the science and yeah just yeah have fun while we're doing it because and we're trying to help today so anywho <laughs>
3: and yeah it doesn't sound like it's fun like it's like just a great conversation and i'm sorry i was late i literally wow. yeah, i tried to join and then my internet connection went off and whenever i came back on i completely forgot until it was that late. I'm like, okay, just join, but I'll be early next week, like right on time.
0: You're always welcome to to join to bend in the battle. And and I'll try to get the, the recording up just if you if you want to re- revisit.
3: I absolutely would actually just so I get a more of a strong idea what what's going on. Yeah, I absolutely would. But thank y'all for being so welcoming. Yes. Yes, so thank you all.
0: So thank you all for coming, and I will go ahead and wrap it up now. So, okay,
1: have a good week, everybody.
0: Until next week, yeah, have an awesome week, and yeah, share any interesting cannabis data that you may find. (laughs) Always interesting. But
3: until next week, thanks a lot,
0: Keegan.
1: Bye Bye now.
3: (laughs) Bye, guys.